Sheena here on guitar is Steve and we're going to be playing an original song called The Well. I still recall those feelings 
I still drank from that well. So how about sharing with us a little bit about where you're at in your life right now, Sheena? Oh, gosh. Um, well, a lot has changed since the last time I talked with you here. Um, like, a lot of stuff, like, for the better. Um, I had, like, a really, like, renewed sense of confidence, like, this past spring and started doing a lot more. And I started um, submitting, like, more of my pieces to, like, magazines to be published. And I submitted my chapbook to be published. For those of us who are unfamiliar or maybe aren't avid listeners of everything that we put out there, could you explain a little bit about yourself and what you do? I consider myself primarily a writer, um, right? mostly poetry though I've been um I was like a born fiction writer and I wrote fiction for years it wasn't until college I started doing poetry and I found it like a really good way to like explore my feelings and emotions and work through like really difficult things um then like for a while recently I've been feeling like more comfortable so I've been going back into fiction and been like swaying in between that um I don't know I like to express myself uh creatively um but I'm also like a really busy person, which makes that difficult sometimes. Um, I work at a library and I work with kids and I work with Girls Right Pittsburgh, which is also working with kids. We are a small fiscally sponsored project by Nissan Rising. Um, I saw a flyer for it at the Brookline Teen Outreach in 2016, right before I finished grad school. And I ended up being the first volunteer that Vivian had for it. Um, just, just focusing on free and accessible creative writing classes for um, girl identifying and non-binary teens and preteens. Um, I just started like with Vivian, like running the first workshop, which was in Brookline. And it's since expanded to like, I think like four or five weekly workshops. I do the weekly workshop in Millville, but I'm also now the events coordinator. So I run a bunch of like pop-up workshops all across the city. Pop-up workshops. Yep. They're just one-off workshops in neighborhoods where we don't have a weekly presence yet. So it's just kind of a like, hey, here's an opportunity, like a free writing opportunity. And if you're interested, you can learn more. Perhaps uh, for those, some folks who are unfamiliar with uh, some of the language, when you speak of non-binary, could you explain that please to some of the folks out there listening? Um. Well, it's like, genders generally like it's not black or white it's not male or female it can be a mix or it could be neither or anything like so initially like for girls right pittsburgh we did focus like our language specifically like for girls and then it's um kind of moved into like girl identifying teens because we wanted to be more inclusive but also there's a lot of um, young non-binary writers who don't really feel recognized or respected in the city. So we also wanted to be a home for them. So we've since like expanded like everything. And um, actually this past year we started Rainbow Writers in East ah. Liberty, um, which is just an LGBTQ um, weekly workshop. And it's just like if you are anywhere on that spectrum, you're invited to come write with us. So how does that how does that deal with your life? How does that affect you? Tell us about that. Uh, like how do the weekly workshops? Affect yeah, me how does that how does it add to your life? What what does it do for you? Um, well, I it really gives me like a reason to keep um doing like what I do. Um, because sometimes like like I said, like I've been like feeling a lot of stress lately. Um, and a lot of the stuff that I do is um on a volunteer basis. So I spend several hours a week doing girls right pittsburgh like prep work promotions and in the workshops themselves and it's as at this time unpaid um 
and sometimes that can be like very tiring but then like every monday night when i go into the workshop um and my writers are like so excited and they share their work with me or like i got like a text the other day that was just like oh, i spoke with like a parent of so-and-so today and they were just like this is he was like crying because it, like it made so much of a difference in her life and that stuff like really really motivates me because I didn't really have programs like that when I was that age. And I feel like it would have really helped me a lot. So to be that person for someone else is really cool. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is that you're making a difference. I sure hope so. Well, I believe, I believe that you are. So seeing the light come on in somebody's eyes is extremely gratifying. Mm -hmm. When somebody, when you see somebody actually get it and help and help somebody and I know that you're a wordsmith, and I've read a lot of your work, and it's excellent. So uh, a lot of people are unable to express how they think and they feel. All right. So sometimes we do this little exercise about, did you ever have a dog, Sheena? No. Okay. How about you, Steve? Depending on who you asked, it was uh, either Ginger Snap or uh, Kiki. Ginger Snap or Kiki. And then the okay. other one was Cypher. Did you love your dogs? Yes, I loved them both very much. Okay. Definitely not one more. Than the other. Okay, so people who have pets, people. Why do people name pets? Why do people? Why do people name their pets? Honestly, I've never had a pet. Okay. Uh, I would love one. I can like I've played with other people's pets, and I can uh, like feel like the connection yeah. that like humans can have with animals. And so I think that's a way to make them familial, is when you give them you donate to them a name. So what we try to do, we ask people to say, well, if you'd have never given your dog a name or your pet a name and they ran outside how would you call them back okay so this is the kind of thing that sheena does what we help people do is being able to accurately label and describe their thoughts and feelings because if we can't they can get away from us too and then we become anxious fearful and afraid and if we're able to label and describe them we have some type of power over them so i'm kind of getting the impression what sheena helps these young ladies do is empower themselves um, I mean, that is definitely one of the goals of Girls Right Pittsburgh is to um, empower and encourage and educate. So our primary focuses. And it's um, it's really helped um, a lot, especially like with courage um, to write and to share that writing because it takes a lot of courage to share your feelings like that. Um, and it can take a lot of time with some writers um, and like in the workshops or just like in general. It took me a long time to be willing to share my work. So it it always, um, like, I always really admire it whenever, like, a writer like that's very young does that. So courage is the ability to deal with fear, okay? Everyone has fear. It can be healthy. It's all emotions are neither good nor bad. It's, it's how you, it's what you do with them. It's a reaction that you have to them, okay? So how do you encourage, so what you're talking about is encouraging supporting these folks to deal with the fear. So tell us, uh, tell us about that when you're dealing with, when you're working with somebody. It takes a, it just takes time. Like everyone's a little different. Um, cause I've noticed, I've noticed this like working at the library too, like with the kids that it's just like a gradual, like first, first you have to get to the point where they actually like believe what you're saying and like respect what you're saying. Cause otherwise they'll be like, ah, oh, just an adult, like saying like platitudes. Um, but yeah, like building, building a relationship with them is the first step. And then to kind of listen to their doubts and their fears and, in the most um, polite and encouraging ways possible, challenge those. I like that word. Yeah, like, and if you if you ask them like, why do you think you suck? 
why do you think a C is a bad grade? Why don't you, why do you hate this poem? Like, and then they have to like think more about it. Like it, it really opens up their thinking and I've, I've noticed some like good changes from that. Well, what we always try to do is help people separate a person from behavior. Okay. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Sheena, I'll never be a good writer. Okay. So that, those words come from somewhere and it usually doesn't come from them. Okay. So most people, they, they need encouragement and support in their lives, Steve. Okay. I've ran into a lot of young people, young children. They come to me. I said, well, tell me about yourself. Oh, I'm a bad boy. So I said, well, you're a bad boy. How do you know you're a bad boy? And generally, what, how do they, what do they say to me? My mom told me that. My dad told me that. So how many young people get this negative reinforcement rather than the positive reinforcement? to say that it's okay to say, I love you, Johnny. However, the behavior, so it's okay to say to these young ladies or the people that are writing, I love you. You have a lot of spark. However, uh, the writing, how can we work with that? How can you and I work with that? So do they compare themselves to you? I'm sure a lot of them have read your work. Um, no, they usually like ask me like lots of questions though, like about things because they want to do the same things as me. It's yeah. never, there's never been like, at least like from what I've noticed, a competitive kind of thing. It's more about like, oh, so like, how can I do that when I'm your age kind of thing? So, um, no, there hasn't been like any like particular comparisons, but I'm always like down to answer questions. I try to be as honest with those questions as possible um, because there are a lot of like answers that are right answers, um, but are not like actually right answers. Like I feel like lately I've been feeling really weird about like telling people that, yeah, you have to go to college. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like even, especially like if you're like a writer or an artist, it can be a very positive experience, but there are other paths and I don't want to pressure them. And the things that like I've heard were the right things to do and to encourage. And I want them to explore and learn and everything like that, but they don't have to, follow a one single path. So that sounds like the concept of fishing without bait, okay? The whole thing is that you don't have to do anything. What we help people to do is to explore possibilities rather than rather than set certainties out there. We ask people to have beginners' minds, not these experts' minds, okay? And so well that that's what we try to do. What are the possibilities? We try to open doors for people and it's up to them to choose whether to walk through them or not. So that's what you do. You present possibilities. Well, here's what worked for in my life. However, if you care to pick up on any of that, great. That's that's a really wonderful thing that you're doing. So what you're doing is you're telling us that you're modeling behavior. Yeah. I Have you ever guess. considered yourself a role model, Miss Sheena? Um, well, um, it depends. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where it's just like, I don't know if I necessarily want them to model my behavior. Like, yes, seven years of college did get me here, but seven years of college also got my card declined at Wendy's today. So, like, it's my, my path was not the easiest, and it's also not. Go, it's not the most amazing and stellar When I'm talking option. about modeling behavior, we're not talking about being this stellar type of art, artist or being uh, adulated by many people, being worshipped. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, there's Sheena. I just want to be like her. No, it's dealing with adversity. It's dealing with adversity. Being realistic, okay, and saying that you can't stuff enough uh, rainbows and sunshine and good intentions in an envelope to pay the electric bill. Okay. And I think you that that's a type of real life solid message that you can get across to people. That's you know, most people shout off right I know the Facebook, all this stuff, it's like rainbows and butterfly stuff. 
right? But, you know, what we, what we try to impress upon, I think, is that flowers don't compare themselves to other flowers. They bloom. They bloom. And I think the idea is, is to help people bloom, put it in an environment where they can succeed. And also to prepare themselves should they fail. One of the worst things we can tell people, Sheena, is everything's going to be okay. Oh, it's going to be all right. Oh, I know you're going to meet Mr. Wonder or Miss Wonderful. I know you're going to pass that test. I know you're going to get that job. You know what? Things may not be okay. Things may not be all right. So the deal is, is how, we, how do we deal with that? That's what we try to help people with. So in the 12-step world, I'm sure you've heard this uh, maybe saying, Steve, God doesn't close one door without opening in another. Never heard that saying? I've heard that one. Or the however, window, or however in the 12-step world, what we say, it can be hell in the hallway. So that's what we help people do is traverse the hallway because that's what a whole lot of life is like in the hallway. So tell us about that, Sheena. Tell us about you transversing the hallway. Well, um, I mean, if you're talking about like traversing, are you talking about like traversing like obstacles? Like, Yes, obstacles in your life. How do you deal with adversity? Because many people deal with it. And we kind of live in a world right now where people, we're kind of taught that we shouldn't experience any type of discomfort at all. However, there is. So the thing is, how do we deal with that? Um, I'm still trying to find like the healthiest and best ways to do that. Um, sometimes I'm good with that and sometimes I'm not. And it also depends on like what the stressors and like adverse issues are. Um, like I've said before, like a lot of um, like emotional things I just deal with, like with like my writing and sharing my writing and things like that. Um, it's always been very therapeutic for me um, when it comes to like more like physical obstacles and situations. It can it varies a lot. Um, and I've found that I will tend to overwork um, to uh. either like fix that or forget about it. Like one or, one or the other or both at the same time. And then you and just kind of burn out. And then I'm like immediately just after I burn out, I'm just like, well, I got to do nothing. Watch Dragon Ball for a week and, yeah. and recharge. Yeah. And then just kind of like reset, do a to do list and figure out like what I messed up and what I can do. Most things in life, Steve, can be divided into two columns. Things I can control and things I cannot. And we spend most of our time, this is where a lot of depression and anxiety come from, when we spend all this time in dealing with situations that we can't control, and we try to. There's an old saying, if the cucumber is bitter, throw it away. Okay, but what do we think about Is that what I've been doing wrong? <laughs> Maybe you mean no, too many not. cucumbers. Well, what we talk or about is, why did cucumber get bitter? Who made it bitter? Did it make it bitter for me? Uh but then we think, well, well maybe, the, maybe the next bite won't be bitter. And we take another bite. This is with people, places, and things. We continue to put ourselves in positions to be hurt. We really do. Mm -hmm. So if we don't know what to do, which a lot of times we don't, I'll bet you know what not to do. People always Eat know the what. No. <laughs> <laughs> people know what not to do. People always want to make things better for you, don't they? So the whole idea is maybe if we can start off with, how can we not make things worse? If we start off at that point, perhaps that might be a good launching pad for us. Good launching pad. So uh, tell us a little bit about you two's collaboration together. Tell us. Uh, do you do you want to start or? Um, sure. Okay. There's a collaboration right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I um, very conciliatory. 
I didn't uh, really work too closely with like any musicians like one on one until like I met like Steve and our friend Shadow, um, who I both met at uh, the Brookline Open Mic, and because like I didn't I didn't know how to play an instrument. I was in choir for twelve years and sing for many years, and then one night I was at the mic and was like, ah. I'm just going to do it. I'm just like saying like acapella. And it, uh, I really appreciate like how like patient like you guys were with me. <laughs> um, cause like, and I still like have like struggles cause I don't, I'm not very like natural and I'm still like getting used to like, um, when's the right time to start singing? <laughs> it's <laughs> so much harder one. when like you, you do it in practice or you do it like, Oh, with the CD and then like you're on stage. Like I, I forgot how to do anything. Yeah. Now that happens to all of us. Say more about that, Steve. Uh, I just remember the first time that I did anything music. I believed I could sing when I was 18, and I had convinced Shadow to do an open mic with me, and we were going to do a Beatles song. And uh, it was a Beatles song that I knew really well. It was I Am the Walrus, and I was like, this is a good open mic song uh, in my head. And I got up to there to do the song, and um, I think I asked him like three times, like, wait, do I start now? Wait, do I start now? Like, and then we finally started. And I was like, okay, now I, I kind of hear the song coming back to me. And then I forgot the all the words. Until, like, <laughs> the, I think it was Yellow Matter Custard is how far I made it up to. And then I was like, how does the song go? I forgot. And then we like we started like three times. Um, it was probably the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me on stage. Aside from when I was in kindergarten and I dressed up as the Sarah, the Sarah syllable of the cerebellum for uh, <laughs> a presentation about the brain. And let's um, not get into that trauma. That was, I bet there's video of it somewhere. I'm sure of it. But the point is, like, we, we kept trying and I was like, I walked off stage and like five minutes later, like, this was pre-smartphone or anything. So, like, I had no way to quickly reference, like, what are these lyrics? And then, like, the entire song, like, clicked in my head. I was like, yeah, it's just a matter of being, like, under that pressure so you like, came back. You, you did come back. It I didn't. came back. I didn't sing it ever again, but I did <laughs> uh, get back on stage at some point. So yeah, we. it wasn't really too hard to be patient. I think it, it's a struggle we all go through. I still appreciate it. I don't know. I feel like I've gotten better. It's been a couple years. Like Oh, yeah. <laughs> Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.